The day has come and gone. I think you might know what day I'm talking about. A day upon which many people, maybe all people who went to the polls, placed their hope. They placed their hope in the outcome of this great and glorious day, which turned into almost another week, and maybe a few more weeks until some wrangling is sorted out. And I find it interesting, especially as a theologian and as a pastor, because the currency that we deal in is in a currency of hope and love and grace and salvation. And so when days like this come along, when people basically stop their lives to scroll through their Facebook feed, to go to their news source, to turn on the TV, to see, well, what is the outcome going to be? It indicates to me a place where people find their hope. Amos chastises, as Elder DeGrasse said, the Israelites, for placing their hope in the day of the Lord. Because Amos, speaking in some ways through the voice of God, says, you don't understand what this day is. You think it's going to be brightness and light and wonder, but it's going to be judgment. It may be turmoil, it may be trouble, it may not be anything at all like you think it is. And because you're placing your hope in this thing that is out there over there, your festivals, your worship of me is empty. It's baseless. It's not filled with anything other than just the going through of rituals so that it looks like you honor me, says the Lord, but you offer me these things and they are empty. The day of the Lord that you're hoping for will not be what you think it is. And so they put their hope in something that isn't what they ought to be hoping in. So where do we find our hope today? Well, I think for most of us, we probably find our hope in a big bank account. Wouldn't we all like a big bank account? I mean, lots of zeros behind the numbers that are our bank accounts? Yeah. We feel like that gives us hope that, there's a, that we have a future and that there's security in that future. For those of us, about, I think, think about 50% of people in the United States or maybe a few more actually own stocks, we put our hope in the stock market. And so I know people that every day they're watching the stock market. If you watch ads on TV, there are more ads about becoming a day trader or trading stocks than almost anything else, depending on the channel that you're watching. And I keep thinking, where do people have all this time to do their research to trade stocks on a daily basis? Now, that's just me asking the question. We're putting our hope in 
something. Maybe, maybe part of that is just part of the game of it, the risk of it, the, the maybe I'll be a big winner. Maybe we put our hope, especially for our children, in a certain education. I mean, the way we act definitely talks about that. Here locally in Richmond, we've had a huge struggle over the good and the bad schools, about how school districts ought to be divided up, who ought to go to what school, and even people who will say that they are for diversity and equity and education. What do we do? We make decisions to send our kid to private school or to protect our neighborhood. Because our hope is in that good education to make sure that our children have a future. Other people's children can sort it out for themselves. Maybe we put it in some sort of start or fame. You know, we, we see that our child has, has some sort of ability in some game or with a ball and we're like, ooh. Maybe that gets it to my other hope, which is this great college education, and it gets me to my other hope, which is a big bank account because I won't have to pay for that college education. I mean, all of these things start to wrap themselves around us. And our actions then speak of where our hopes are because we figure out what we put our hope in is what we value. And so we choose to do those things that we value and put our hope in. For many Christians, we say that we value our faith. But what I hear from most of us is that we, we don't set aside time for study, for prayer, for service in God's name. We we give lip service to this great hope we have. We might come and worship and consume some worship as, as we do on Sundays. We might, we might come and sit, but, but are we preparing our hearts for worship? Are we, are we setting aside that time as a holy time where we really would, would breathe and open ourselves to hear what God has to say? Or is it just like, oh, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to feel good about myself. I'm going to move on. I'm going to hear what the preacher says. I'm going to listen to the music and boom, I'm out. Got my little shot of adrenaline for the day. Check the box. I'm a good moving on. Does it develop us in any way? Does it, does it move us forward? We struggle with this all the time in our culture now, especially because we put our hope in so many other things that the church then struggles to help teach the children. Because we often offload the faith education and the mentoring onto the pastors, onto the Christian educators, onto the Sunday school teachers. And the womb of faith, which is really, as Martin Luther said, supposed to be in the home, becomes barren. Because we're not giving any lifeblood to it. Where do we put our hope? And how do we work out that hope in our actions? Most of the time we put our hopes in a what? In a thing. But here's the truth. Things always disappoint. 
things always disappoint. Our hope is not in a what. Our hope is in a who. (laughs) And not Cindy Lou who. (laughs) There's that humor for you, right? Our hope, I mean... You know what I'm going to say, right? Our hope is in God. Listen to this from Psalm 73. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our children. We will tell them to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and the Lord's might, the wonders that he has done. He established a decree in Jacob. He appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep God's commandments. You see, this community... And the Israelites knew that the community was really not born. For them, it might have been along a bloodline, but they had to teach it to their children. It didn't just, it didn't come through their blood. And for Christians, we don't have a bloodline. We're one generation away from Christianity being extinct at every point, at every point in history. That shouldn't scare us or guilt us, but it's just the truth. We don't have a bloodline, we have a water line. It's water and the Holy Spirit and then teaching our children and drawing other people into that fold. Living out the life of faith is how God moves through us in the Spirit to continue the community. And God can, could raise up people from the stones, I suppose faithful followers and believers. But for those of us that are are inside of this thing called the Christian faith, we are called to put our hope in God, not in a president, not in a politician, not in a system. Though our Christian faith and our hope then would call us to seek to choose good leaders, to roll up our sleeves and get to work in systems that are inequitable to break them down, to call them out, to work for justice and righteousness. Because as the prophets say, and as Amos says, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, the poor and the marginalized should not ever have to wait for justice. We should be thinking of them first and foremost. And righteousness... Righteousness is about right relationship. So when I see people on opposite sides of an idea screaming at one another on the streets, I think, where have we missed being taught about right relationship? Not that we let people walk over us, but I don't know about you, I've never been screamed into a new idea, into a new way of believing into a new way of living. That might have scared me. It might have put fear in me. And for that moment, I might run away or I might just do something to get away from that person or from that situation. But it is through teaching. It is through the application 
of what God has given us with his truth and logic, of drawing people together and realizing that we live in a community and we live in a community of people, all of us who first and foremost will put our hope in the what and not the who. Our hope is in God. We find our hope in the one who loved the world so much that his son became love and poured himself out for our renewal, our revival, our new life of hope. And we are to teach our children about that hope. And this cannot be, this teaching cannot be this way. It cannot be do as I say and not as I do. We must ask God to break our hearts wide open, to bring us to work for justice, to bring us to seek right relationship. And in our world today, I think it is as needful as it has ever, ever been, especially now in this country that we live in. We who believe in the one who is love, the one who is hope, the one who is grace, the one who is judgment. We are the ones called to reconciliation, to rebuilding, to love, to hope, to grace. So I call upon you this week to spend some time looking in the mirror. Really take a good look at your life. Where is it that you put your hope And where is it that you need to replace that what with the who of Jesus the Christ? May you be blessed as you do this. Amen.